Hi, I'm Lauren Dimmitt-Waters. Hi, I'm Alyssa Chapman. We're two New York City bloggers and influencers who have been covering beauty, fashion, and family life for what seems like forever. But now we're two women in midlife who want to discover all the secrets to growing younger. We're ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, lifestyle, wellness, and longevity. We'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, we'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey with a little humor. And a lot of moxie. We want to keep fighting that fight so we can grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, it's Lauren. Hey, it's Melissa. And guess what? We had so much to say with Dr. Sadati about adrenal fatigue that we decided we're going to do this in two episodes. I mean, there she is a wealth of information, and I think we could do like 10 episodes of Dr. Sadati, <laughs> to be honest, but, you know, two is just going to have to suffice for now. You could do more, right? You know, it's, it's funny because even like with my coffee, I've noticed... Well, this was because when I started on Whole30, which is even before this, but then uh, you're not supposed to have sugar, obviously, on Whole30. And so uh, I've been, and or dairy, so I've been putting almond milk. I have like an almond yeah, milk latte. Yeah. I'm sweetened, correct. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because after you, t- you drink it a few times, because I used to put like a ton of Truvia like a packet at least oh or God. two. And that's and five my, times as sweet as yeah, sugar. Yeah, but I like my coffee sweet, wow. or I liked my latte sweet, and so I stopped drinking, putting that into my coffee, and now I taste the sweetness just from the unsweetened almond milk. Like, to me, it tastes sweet. sweet. I don't even add, I, I can't, it's terrible, only because I've got this giant box that I bought at Costco of trivia, <laughs> and my husband's like, are you ever going to use this? And I'm like, well. You know, so it's sitting there and I, you know, try to pawn it off on guests now, but I'm really amazed. <laughs> That's a part of yeah. gift. Here, take some <laughs> trivia. Here's a baggy, baggy fill of trivia. And, you know, I, I've definitely noticed that I've cut way back on my sugar, but, you know, that's, and, and dairy. Um, okay, so, okay, so we're, I'm sorry we keep interrupting with the five pillars. Right, we had, we had to talk about so a drink. Let's okay. go, let's go, we definitely do. But, okay, definitely. so let's go with nutrition. So anti-inflammatory means mostly whole foods. Aim for seven, five to seven servings of vegetables a day. Fruit though can be very healthy, kind of sugary, shouldn't be more than one or two a day. Mm-hmm. Um, try to reduce the grains. Um, healthy protein, fish, uh, organic chicken, wild fish, um, grass-fed beef, lamb if you like it. So I'm vegan, okay. so what would you suggest for a vegan for protein? And do you do you eat eggs, like pastured eggs? No, or, no. So you're, oh, you're totally vegan. Totally vegan. My daughter is too, so what would you suggest so, for that? So the thing with the thing with being vegan or vegetarian is that protein sources are a lot harder to come by and the typical protein sources are very high in carbohydrate. So unfortunately, beans and legumes and all that, they're really high in carbs. And that's another issue with adrenal is that cortisol helps to balance sugar. Cortisol and insulin are on the seesaw. So when you have something that's very carby or sugary, your insulin goes up, your cortisol goes down. But when somebody has a lot of carbs all the time, what happens is they end up having a tendency towards hypoglycemia because when you have mainly carbs, the sugar goes up and then plummets quickly and then you get hypoglycemic and you have to eat again. So when I look at women's diet plans, like I have them fill out what did they eat, when did they eat it all day long, they're grazing all day long. I mean, they're having like it's a breakfast and then a snack and then a lunch and then a snack and then a dinner and then a snack. And now you wonder why you can't sleep. 
because you're eating every two hours and now, now you think you're going to go to sleep for eight hours and not eat anything right. and maintain your sugar. Forget it. It's ne never happening. So we have to try to figure out how do we make the protein. So for someone who's vegan, I'm going to, I'm probably going to recommend the easiest source because I'm not, always a fan of too much tofu. If you have tofu that's non-GMO and organic, go for it. But most of the soy in the United States is GMO, which means it's been exposed to tons of pesticides. So most, you're getting edamame, not so good. Unless you know that it's organic or that, and it's non-GMO, it's not a great thing to be eating. But the problem with soy is that I don't love patients to have it every day, like a few times a week, I think is totally fine and safe. But then for someone like you, I would say, let's get you a vegetarian sourced protein powder and consider having some smoothies to try to boost up your protein and then also try to make it up with fat. So that will help keep your sugar level a little bit more constant because if you're just carbing, it's really just up and down, up and down, up and down, and your cortisol is a mess. That's actually a cause of adrenal fatigue when mm. you have sugar insulin imbalance. It's one of the wow. big causes of adrenal fatigue. So, you know, you want to be careful with sugar. I always talk about try never to eat a carb by itself because that, again, that causes that cortisol insulin roller coaster, which will put you into adrenal fatigue. You want to always have a carb with a protein and fat, if possible, whenever you eat. So, for example, if you're in adrenal fatigue, having an apple by itself may not be great. An apple's great, but, you know, maybe add almond butter or peanut butter to that. Mm. If you're going to have, let's say, you know, corn chips or something, maybe have it with hummus or with guacamole, something with fat and protein as well. So that's the key. You know, those are some of the keys is you want to get rid of, you know, anything that's processed, high sugar, gluten and dairy. I think those are the big four things you really want to watch out for. Bring in tons of vegetables, bring in some fruits, try to bring in healthy proteins and, and healthy fats. So that's the key. Okay. And then after food, after what so we're after nourishing. Food is your exercise. And okay. with exercise, it can, it, I find most of the women in my area are over-exercising. And so because a lot of what motivates patients to come in is weight gain, not able to lose their Over-exercising and over. still gaining weight? hundred. That is actually what? a cause of weight gain. Is oh my God, stop. Yes. Mind blowing. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about this. Let's let her, yeah. let's, let's see yeah. what you have to say about this. Yeah. So, because you're probably not sleeping enough, right? And I thought sleep is... That's I, one of the pillars. Oh, sorry. I, I jumped ahead. Okay, okay. Shh, go on. Go. Shh, sorry. My no, I'm not. I'm not. I didn't know. <laughs> I know. You, okay. know you, you get it. You I mean, I it. do because I, I, we'll talk about how, I, how I've sort of learned more about this, but go on. So I find that over-exercising is a bigger problem than under-exercising. Um, in this area, women are pretty, they're pretty, you know, high-powered, pretty um, competitive and, and not in a bad way. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we all want to try to be the best we can and lead the best lives and most productive lives that we can. We want to look good. We want to feel good. And we all subscribe to the, you know, calories in, calories out model, which is so outdated and so wrong. Um, so we find that, oh, my God, I'm gaining weight. I need to exercise more. I'm still gaining weight. I need to exercise even more. I'm still getting, I got to do even more. And so then, and then we become addicted and feel like if we exercise less, we're going to gain even more weight. And now you're adding stress, which is right. You're adding well, stress uh, that you're working out and you're gaining weight, which is all that stress can help yeah, your so you adrenals 
fatigue right out. Yeah, well, you have the mental stress right. of, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not feeling well. I'm gaining weight. I can't fit into my clothes. I don't look, I don't look like myself. Like, what is this? And, but then you're stressing your body because high impact, high cardio, aggressive kind of, you know, spinning and this, that, that is causing a huge demand on your adrenal. So if you're in a depleted state of adrenal fatigue, exercising like that, sweating, cardio, pushing, boot camp, kickbox, spinning, all of that is going to drive you further down and is only going to result in weight gain and injury. So I have had patients that lose weight by me telling them to stop exercising. Amazing. Now, nobody, you know, now that's a hard thing to do. So we obviously have to dial it down because they're now, of course, an addiction to exercise. uh, And they just can't even imagine not working out. So we have to kind of take it a little bit at a time. Well, I think, too, some of it is, is like for me, like when I was before my surgery and I was definitely had a, a workout addiction. I found that not only did I like it for my body, but I used it. It was a good time for my brain to kind of like, for me, it was almost like therapy. Um, So do you think then that women should replace it with like maybe meditation or, I mean, do you recommend yoga? Well, yoga is a form of working out, but depending on the class you take, I guess it could be more of a relaxation. I mean, what do you? Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you, so here's, here's the key. Okay. This is the key to know if you're over-exercising. If you exercise, and it, you know, immediately a lot of people are going to feel invigorated or they're going to feel like they're just, their mind is in a better place. There's a lot of endorphins. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all well and good. But if you feel like you need to take a nap a couple hours later or you're kind of like burnt for the day, then that means the exercise you did was harmful and it was too much. So if you find that your fatigue is sort of more significant after a a particularly, you know, cardio, aggressive, sweaty workout, then that's a sign that your adrenal cannot handle that level of exercise and you're actually creating more damage. Interesting. So what I tell patients is if you have, and again, there are different levels of adrenal imbalance where some people, depending on if they make, if they're in a stage where they're making a ton of cortisol, Exercise is helpful, but if I have patients that are kind of a flat line of low cortisol, then really intense exercise is, is killing them. It's like literally trying to you know, squeeze blood out of a stone. Like you're not, you're not getting it. Like don't. So what I say is, we need to find the sweet spot for you. So maybe instead of doing an hour of cardio, you could try half an hour. How do you feel after that? If you're still not good, maybe we need to shelve cardio for now. Let's try something that is more meditative, something like Pilates or maybe strength training that's not overly aggressive or yoga, not Bikram, mm-hmm. okay, not an intense <laughs> hot yoga where you feel like you're going to die, but something more restorative. And you figure out what is it that works for you. You know, maybe taking a shorter class is enough or maybe just completely changing the workout. But ultimately, listen to your body. Do I feel tired after I did this workout? Yeah, well, then maybe don't do it. So, can you explain then what, how it's possible then that you can lose weight by working out less? Like that, that's not going to resonate. That's not going to make sense to a lot of people. So, working out is by nature a, an inflammatory event in the body. You know, you're using up resources. Like, let's take for example, if somebody who's done weightlifting, right? 
let's say you did it, you worked out really hard with a trainer or, you know, you pushed yourself for the first time and you are cannot move for two days. Like we've all probably at some point experienced that. So what's happening is that there are microscopic injuries in the muscle going on. And that's an inflammatory process that your body has to go ahead and heal. If you have inflammation just generally for a variety of reasons, and inflammation to me is always going to be from sugar insulin balance, some sort of injury or infection in the body, um, toxicity or stress. Like those are going to be the main causes of inflammation, right? Um, If you're now adding more inflammation through muscle injury, muscle damage, or even just the requirement for your body to work harder and churn out more cortisol, all of that, anything that leads to inflammation is going to lead to waking. Interesting. So that's the key. It's not so much, you have to think about it as an inflammatory response. And when you have inflammation, it makes weight loss really difficult. Wow. Thanks for clearing that up. Okay. You have more? There's diet, there's exercise. So the right exercise, the right diet, sleep. Okay, this is probably, if I were to say, if I were to say there's one thing that I think would be the magic sauce to any treatment protocol for whatever your condition is, it's getting, it's getting enough quality and quantity of sleep and sleep at the right time. So the interesting thing is that as Americans, we think sleep is optional. You know, we think that we don't need to get eight hours of sleep. Um, a lot of women that come through my office are doing everything. I mean, they, they take care of the kids, they're working full time, they're taking care of the house, they're trying to exercise or trying to make meals they're ju- like they're juggling a million different things and they don't have enough help and they also need to have a little downtime so that downtime tends to start at 11 p.m mm. and so that's when we're binge watching you know whatever it is on netflix that's i'm when guilty of this that's yes. we're on the facebook on instagram you know doing our emails text whatever it is we do between 11 and 1 a.m and when we should be sleeping when we should be sleeping and the thing is that you may be ready to fall asleep at nine o'clock but, you know, your work is not done or the kids are not tucked in or the homework's not in or whatever it is. I need to do that last load of laundry. You then get a second wind. Yep. And now you can't go to sleep at 11. So now you have this energy to start binge watching TV and going on Instagram, going on Facebook and just doing nonsense. So we're up until midnight, 1, 2 a.m. because that's our personal time. But meanwhile between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. is actually the time that your body sets aside to restore itself, to regenerate, for your adrenals to heal, for your brain to rebalance. So sleep when it's not in that four-hour period is not as restorative as other times. So even if you were getting eight hours, eight hours is sort of like, that's baseline. Baseline, you should be getting at least eight hours of sleep a night. Who's really getting, come on, do you get it? Uh, I do. You do? I go to bed every night, like, I mean, my kids are older, so I literally am in bed every night by eight o'clock, and I get up at six. Wow! Yes, and and I, I have to say, knock on wood, it's, it's. I've never felt better. I feel like I need that sleep. You do. I need it. Oh my god, eight o'clock. Yes. I know. I'm. I'm jealous. So that's. See, that's amazing. It sounds, it sounds crazy, but I, I'm like, my, I know when my body's ready. Like, I listen okay, to my body. Good for you. You are you are the <laughs> exception. I am. Not the rule. But that's you know fabulous. What? Let me tell you something. I had a patient the other day who came in for her follow-up visit. I saw her for her initial visit. We talked about a few things to tweak and change. And I was really, I try as much as possible my initial visit before I have any information with patients to give them things to do at home. I told her 
that she needed to get eight hours. And I said, this based on when you have to wake up and you need to be in bed by 8.30, okay? She came to me four weeks later and she said, I cannot get over that getting that extra sleep that you told me to get has transformed my life. Wow. Yes, it's true. It's true. Because I know that a couple of years ago, I used to stay up very late at night writing. And I wouldn't go to bed till like one o'clock in the morning. And I was like 20 pounds heavier than I am now. And I just, my body was just not, I wasn't in sync with my body. Since I've been sleeping a lot, I just feel so much better. Oh my God. Well, so you know that there are huge studies out there. I mean, this is, this is scientific literature. Women who get eight hours or more of sleep a night reduce their risk of breast cancer, heart disease, uh, stroke, and obesity. Well, that's enough of a reason women to go to bed at get, 8.30. When women go, get seven hours or less, they're going to gain weight steadily, and they increase their risk for breast cancer and heart disease and stroke. Wow. And all-cause mortality, as a matter of fact. So just getting extra sleep may be what you need to just help. No. Let me away. ask. So you're saying that we should that we're missing that window that we should be going to bed um, earlier by ten o'clock. By ten o'clock. Okay. Oh my lord. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna give it a try. Um, I am sleeping more, but I'm going to bed earlier for me. But that's still too late. But you know what? It's steps. It's right. Steps. Right. It's baby steps. It's baby steps. Okay. Right? What's here's another thing though that I'm that I'm noticing, and I know I'm not alone in this. Um, when you get older, it's harder to sleep. Now, what happens? When, uh, you know, I wake up now at three o'clock in the morning and I'm wide awake. Yeah. So what can we do? Not just to, it's one thing to go to bed and give myself that eight hours to sleep. But what if I'm awake for some of those eight hours? Right. So that, you know, so that's a whole different topic to unpack, (laughs) which, but, but not, but not is insomnia. I mean, we're talking about quality and quantity of sleep. So to begin with for adrenal, the best adrenal time is 10 p.m you know, to 6 a.m., try to get eight hours. That's ideal. Um, But eight hours is certainly our goal. And now when we talk about quality, well, why is it that we have sleep disruption? So interestingly, adrenal imbalance in and of itself can be a cause because if you notice you're one of these people that are kind of very wired at night, hard to fall asleep because your mind just keeps going, or when you do wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning and you're not turning the pillow over, you know, turning over and just falling back asleep, your mind starts going again. That's typically a sign of high cortisol spiking at night. Okay, that would be me. Yeah. Yep, because <laughs> at 3 o'clock, I, it's, I'll, I'll feel myself, like, kind of coming out of it, and then my mind starts going, and it's racing, and the next thing you know, I'm wide awake because I'm thinking. It's not like I'm waking up to go to the bathroom or anything. It's be- well, that too. But because... Uh, I'm thinking yeah. like my brain's turned on. Right. I can feel it turning on. It's like, you know, when you watch one of those like total recall, it's like he comes back to life and he's waking up and right. boom, you know, and then it's, I have to like try to, and I can eventually fall back asleep, but sometimes it's an hour, hour and a half, Yeah, you know. So that, I mean, that, that could be a sign of a rise in cortisol. And then you okay. have to say to yourself, well, why would that be happening? Um, sometimes that's just a matter of, we have to just, sort of play around with different, um, there are different herbs and supplements that you can use to try to start dropping cortisol at night, making sure it kind of goes up normally in the morning. But one of the uh, top reasons sometimes to get a spike in cortisol in the middle of the night is because you are getting a hypoglycemic reaction. So sometimes you have to look back and say, am I one of those grazers that Mm. I'm eating all day long and now I'm going to bed and now I can't, my body can't go 
eight hours. So you're saying some people wake up because they're hungry or their body is telling them that they're hungry. Yes. They're waking up because they're hypoglycemic. And the way it works is this. So evolutionarily, it was really, diabetes like was not, it didn't exist. I mean, that just didn't exist. You didn't have food at every corner. We didn't have three square meals a day. I mean, you could go days to weeks, you know, without eating. And our body was fully equipped to do that. Nowadays, we have lost that metabolic flexibility because we're constantly eating. We always have food. We don't skip meals. You know, the the food industry has drilled it into our heads that never let your sugar go down. Snack. Because why? It's a multi-billion dollar industry year. So, you know, there's a little bit of a bias in terms of why you should be eating that way. But if you're const- if you're eating every two to three hours, how do you sleep and not wake up and eat? So because there's one hormone in the body that deals with taking sugar out of the bloodstream, that's insulin. We have five hormones to try to bring sugar up. That's how important it is that we maintain our blood sugar. The two most important that are that are like sort of functional in the middle of the night are cortisol and adrenal, adrenaline rather, epinephrine. Like uh-huh. those are the ones. So if your adrenals are not great and you can't get that sort of soft rise of cortisol to just tweak your sugar up, you're stuck with adrenaline coming up. So Mm -hmm. do you know what it feels like to have adrenaline? It's not fun. I mean, it feels like, whoa, what happened? I'm fully awake right now. That's sometimes Ah, how I feel I wake up. Sometimes it's like I'm asleep and then boom, I'm up. That's an adrenaline rush. Yep. There you go. So hypoglycemia could be. So for some patients, I try to, we start working on, well, what's your diet look like during the, during the day? How do we fix that? But some patients, the key is that they get, they actually have a carby snack at night and they're good for the night. They get a little bit of a serotonin surge from a carb and they're good for the night. So it's different for everybody. But like I, I stop eating after like I have my dinner kind of early. So usually by like, you know, seven o'clock I'm done. Mm-hmm. Same with right? me. And I don't, I don't touch anything mm-hmm. else. I mean, I don't eat again and I don't get up in the middle of the night and eat like I don't. And then no, but what I'm saying is you should maybe, maybe, maybe you should just try having a snack at night. I mean, just give it a shot. It may not. Like what answer. kind of a snack are you talking about? I like would what? have like, you know, apple with almond butter okay. or, you know, corn chips with hummus or, you know, something carby with a fat because the carb will release serotonin, which is very relaxing for the brain. And serotonin turns into melatonin, which is a sleep hormone. And melatonin drops cortisol. So at night we want our cortisol down. So that's kind of how that works. You could try that, you know, otherwise we'd have to examine your day okay. and just see what's Well, that's not all the time, but sometimes, you know. And also just stress. I mean, stress can yeah. make you that wired. Yeah. You know, what are the stressors that when you wake up, instead of falling asleep, you start going into that worry mode or that what do I have to do mode? You know, so then it's a matter of, wow, I need to interject a little bit more parasympathetic, rest, digest, meditation, calm. You know, like, what do you do to try to, like, emphasize that in your day? Like, what am I doing that's mm-hmm. relaxation and parasympathetic. Okay, so we've talked about um, diet. We've talked about exercise. Sleep. We've talked about sleep. So what's number four? Stress. Oh, yeah, good luck with that. Right. We are living in a very... It, and why is it that we... It seems that we are so... Like, if I talk to you about my life... Well, I was also younger. But, like, 20 years ago, I don't think my mom had the same stress as I did as a mother. You know? And, and God forbid, I'm now... I'm, terrified for kids today 
what, how much more stress they're going to be under when they become adults. And like, what, how does this stop? I mean, we're living in very stressful times. How do you eliminate, <laughs> how do you eliminate stress? Yeah. That's a, that's the million I, dollar question. I have to tell you, I have, um, you know, I have a number of patients who I, I don't, I don't see typically kids. Mm-hmm. I, I usually like sort of 14 and above, but I'm, I'm starting to see kids now. Oh yeah. It's sad. My patient requests eight, nine, ten. Oh God. And the level of anxiety that these children are now having, it's, 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 it's unfortunately a societal mm-hmm. problem. It's, it's our environment. It's our society. It's where our um, priorities are. I mean, there's, there's no play. Yeah. There's no play. I mean, they, you know, that's, that's sacrificed in school. There's no time to be a kid. There's no being outside. There is constant, you know, technology um, exposure. And there's so many studies that talk about how the, uh, not just the, the social media aspect of things, but the, the literal blue light exposure to our brains are creating abnormal brain pathways. So in the time that kids are most vulnerable to um, abnormal brain circuitry development, I mean, this is when they're, they're developing so many neural connections. The, the constant video computer stimulation and lack of play, working with their hands, being outside, um, you know, all of that is so important for brain development and they're losing it. They're not getting it. And so depression and anxiety and suicide are rising at astronomical rates since 2011. Really? It's been a steady climb. So, so yeah. So, but anyway, getting back to stressors, it's, it's, uh, I think you have to start, you have to start prioritizing. I mean, the problem is you can't keep doing what you're doing and expect to get a different result. So it's one thing to add good things to your life, you know, adding good nutrition, healthy diet, adding sleep, adding the right exercise. But if you're not taking away the stressors, we're not going to get very far. So a lot of what I talk to patients about, and I'm not, you know, this is not my forte, and I will often recommend that patients work with coaches over this, is that you have to start talking about how you um, change the, the story of your life in terms of what's important. So maybe you do have to start, you know, maybe you shouldn't head the PTA this year. You know, maybe you shouldn't take that promotion. Maybe you should turn off your work emails when you get home. You know, maybe like there's just so much that we could do that could, you know, move us in a more positive direction. But we have such a story of this is the only way it can be. I have to do it this way. There's no other option. There are hundreds of options. We, We just we're just stuck in this story that we have about how life has to go. But you have to make you have to make some sacrifices. You have to be willing to sacrifice certain things that you do in your life. You have to, because we can't do it all. No, we can't. But I think that saying no is really hard for people, and especially I think for women. Women have a very hard time saying no to anyone because you don't want to be. Women are taught to be nice and agreeable, and you never want to be the one to let anyone down. Right. Right. And I, so I've I've been saying this is funny. So. I came up with my three words for the year and uh, I tried to nail it to one, but that didn't happen. And I've been, I, I did not say no, no was not my word this year, but I, I think women should be empowered to say no, you know, learn to say no. You might let somebody 100%. down, but you, you know, if you're, if we're talking about self-care and self-love, then sometimes no, saying it to other people, you know, just I love that. No. 
Yeah. I no, think. Is, no is, is so important. And it's an empowering word if you use it, you know, correctly. And I, you know, but what do you do if there's some stresses, though, that, that we don't bring on to ourselves? They just happen. Like that, I know for, for me, a lot of that is just things that are out of my control, you know, and it's like as soon as I think I've got a breather, you know, another quote unquote, you know what, storm comes at me. And you just got to deal with it. And that's just, you pile that all on. And it's just, you know, I can try to streamline my life as much as I can and, you know, keep it as easy as I can or try. And then things are happening that are outside of my. That's, that is something that um, I talk about a lot with patients is that there's the reality of life. You know, uh, I have an autistic child. Okay. That's not changing. I can't, you know, that's not a no. So in those circ or I have to have this job right now, you know, I'm the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. My family's reliant on me. I cannot leave this very toxic job at the moment. I can start thinking about looking for another job. I can start thinking about transition. I cannot leave this right now. Right. Or whatever it is. You know, my mother is, you know, in hospice care for, right. So these right. are the things that we're talking about. These are not, these are not, you know, changeable. So now we have to talk about, so there are two big things that I I have patients try to work on with this. Number one is how our reaction is to those things. Okay, how are we reacting? So that reactivity is where we have the power and the control. And we can take, we can start with a really easy example, which is you're sitting in traffic and you're late for a meeting and you're ready to kill yourself. Right, right, (laughs) right. So... But it's out of your hands. It's out of your hands. So when you what, take right. a step back and you say, look, I can't change this, but I'm not going to let it make me crazy. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen here? I mean, even if it's I'm going to miss my flight, what's the worst that's going to happen? You take the next flight. You right. take the next flight. You make another book. It's just so when you take it back and you say, OK, I'm not going to allow myself to right. become sick over this. Right. I start taking my deep breaths or I have my mantra that I repeat to myself or I'm going to put on a song that I like or I, you know, whatever it is that you do so that yeah. you're going to figure out how, how, what works for you to calm down. The reactivity is huge. So how to reactively, same thing with any situation. You know what? My mother, you know, is very ill and it's, and it's hard and I'm stressed, but I don't have to make it, make me sick over You don't have it. to internalize it I so don't much. have to, right, right. I don't have to live right. what she's living in order to have compassion for the situation oh, or to be caring, I don't have to be sick. Yep. I don't have to be the one dying. Yep. You know, and unfortunately, women really... We take it on. We take it on. We take on what other people are experiencing and feeling and needing, you know, at complete sacrifice, self-sacrifice to our own health. And you don't have to be that way. So that, so, so that's, So those are things that you work on. And then you have to have techniques for that. And so that's where things like cognitive behavioral therapy techniques come in. That's where meditation comes in. And meditation can take many forms. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so hackneyed to say, yeah, meditate. Uh, okay. You know, it's like as if it's so easy. It's not so easy, but there's so many hacks to meditating. Right. There's so many hacks to actually getting your parasympathetic tone up that you have to, you know. Just find the one that works for you. For some people, it's yoga. For some people, it's acupuncture. For some people, it's walking in nature. For some people, it's gratitude journaling i mean that's such an easy thing that over and over people say write down three things at night that you're grateful for like fill your life with gratitude it takes a minute it's not a, it's not a big you know 
You're not writing a big, you know, thesis. Thesis, exactly. <laughs> it's just, just, it could be words even. You know, so I have my son starting to do that now. He's 13. I said, you know what, let's do your gratitude. I love time. that. I'm going to do that with my son. He's 14. Yeah. yeah. That's let's a great write idea. Down three things. With my daughter who's 18. Yeah. Why not? You know, what are you grateful for? Like my dog. Aww. Right? Yes. You know, and, and then you start thinking about gratitude and it really changes the conversation in your head. So um, perspective, that's my my word this year. Love it. And I, it's, it's helped me a lot so far. Well, we're only a week or so into the year, <laughs> but so far it's been fabulous. Yes, I'm, I'm stealing your words. I you may. It's going to be my words. I love yeah, I, my words are uh, perspective, when, uh, positivity, and breath breathing. Love it. Because we do not breathe enough. And I'll tell you, meditation's really, really helped me a lot with that. And I'm like the last person on earth that I thought would meditate because mm-hmm. I am type A plus yep. generally. I'm not so much now. I'm probably like an A minus. I think I've taken it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's great. You know, and it's it, I'm amazed at how it much that can really you. change you. So, so when a patient comes to you, do you offer like resources yes. to to all these different things you're talking about yes. like do you have like a like a like a crew of of, of trusted professionals that you can um you yeah. know so you know it, it, the the recommendations range from you know for example uh diet pdfs to apps to um health coaches to psychologists and therapists um there's a lot of um cognitive behavioral therapy technique that may work for a lot of, you know, I mean, there's some people that, you know, unfortunately, as we all know, there is a lot of um, childhood trauma around sexual abuse. I'd say a third of patients that come in have a history of child abuse, sexual abuse. It's a lot. You know, and I never knew about that. Did you believe as a gynecologist that wasn't a standard question that I asked? I started asking that question standardly on my intake forms when I started devoting, you know, my, my practice to integrative medicine and functional medicine. And the number of women, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that I, I spent so many years of my medical practice not asking this question. And just by the way, if you have experienced um, a childhood abuse or sexual abuse as a child, those patients are at extreme danger for adrenal problems extreme danger because they start out with an empty tank sadly so they are at much more risk for it um so when things like that happen early in our childhood we're at very high risk for adrenal imbalance and those are patients where you know i there are specialists who help release trauma quickly you know there are some techniques um, called emdr dnrs they're acronyms for uh, different techniques to help to try to release early traumas you know that you, you don't know you know what I find a lot of women are experiencing adrenal fatigue because their children are now at the age where they were when they were abused Wow! and that's when they get sick it's so it's like, it's like a trigger yes wow. it's a huge trigger when their kids turn the age of the time of the abuse they start having issues so even if it's something you've gone to therapy for you think you've made peace for uh, with rather peace with um it may not be done. It may not be over. And there, there are ways to, to actually really release it from your system. And it's so interesting how, like, um, shows how a psychological trauma can affect your health. Oh my God. Like, the two are really related. And I feel like that 
that's all part of this practice and what and what you're trying to share is that everything is connected. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no, there's no question. It's, and, uh, you know, I, I, I find that unfortunately the word stress is so overused and it's, it's been diminished in really what it indicates for us as human beings. It's, it's, it's sort of denigrated. It's like, it's a badge of honor to handle as much stress as possible. And it's why we're so sick. You know, it's why among other things, it's, it's why we are such a sick nation. And it's, so. it's killing us and it's only getting worse. So I'm glad I'm glad that we've been able to, you know, shed the light on this. And is there, oh, I know what I wanted to add. So when I when I was meeting with Dr. Sadati and I said, you know, this would be a great topic, I think, because if I don't know about it, and God only knows, once I learn about something I, you know, I think women need to know about or whatever, I want to share it. I said to her, what can I read besides going on the internet? Mm-hmm. Um, which I've learned, especially like WebMD, the black hole, God only knows, you know, what is the, is there a book I can read um, to help me so I can understand it and also, you know, so I can tell other women, you know, something that explains it in a way that we, those of us that don't have a a medical degree can understand it. Um, And would you like to tell them what you told me to read? Because I've been telling everybody, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the book is called Adrenal Fatigue. The 21st Century Stress Syndrome. It's by uh, a James Wilson, Dr. James Wilson. I read this book. This was really the beginning of the the uh, transition for me. So I I, I showed I shared with you that. Yeah, story. you did. I did. You did. So, you know, very quickly, I I with OBGYN in my career. I mean, it was a very intense practice. Um, a lot of deliveries up at night, on call every you know, fourth night, not sleeping, getting up out of bed two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning, being on call for 48 to 72 hours straight. Uh, you know, over time that gets to you, obviously. And I was one of those people that, you know, if I wasn't at work, I was, you know, going, doing my exercise. I was, I, you know, I was never sitting still. Like I wasn't going to let the fact that my job was so sort of all-encompassing get the better of me. So one morning I just woke up and I... I could not, I did not want to get out of bed. I did not, I, I literally wanted to run away from my life. Like I wanted to run away. Like that was the feeling. It was this feeling of, I just cannot do my life one more second. I'm like, who is this? Like, what is it? Right. It just, and again, everything happens for a reason. Just so happens that, that weekend I was invited to a conference by one of the compounding pharmacists that I had you know, worked with. And um, the topic was adrenal fatigue. I had never heard of this in my life. Went to the topic. It was actually given by an integrated practitioner who was also an OBGYN. Oh, wow. Practiced uh, down south. He was from Georgia. And he went through it. And I was looking at this presentation. And I was like, oh, my God, this is me. This is exactly what I have. He recommended this book. It's had to be like 2011. This is a while ago. Um, recommended this book. I started reading it. I was like, this is not just me. This is all of my patients I've not been able to help for years, wow. over the years. So a light went off, right? A, a light, light went yeah. off. And that was the beginning of my journey to sort so, of shifting away from conventional medicine. And, and it's interesting because I, I have read the book. Uh, and by the way, I strongly suggest if you even think that you have adrenal fatigue to get it, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and um, I was reading it, and it's really interesting because there's a lot of 
stories about what people have been through. Obviously, probably their names been changed, but yeah. a lot of them, you know, you read them and some resonate with you. Yeah. Some don't. Right. Some are have it way worse. Yeah. Like the type where you can't get out of bed. Like I haven't had that yet, but my gosh, it makes you think, right. It makes you think, (laughs) oh my God, if I keep going down this path, that could be me one day. Um, and, and then also note that there, um, besides the adrenal soup recipe that I did share with recovery, the adrenal recovery soup, uh, that there's questionnaires in here too. So you can ask yourself, you know, fill this out honestly, and you can find out just from this book alone, if you think you you know, have adrenal fatigue and then put in place some of these things that we've discussed here and, you know, get Absolutely. on the path to recovery. Even if you can't find a doctor that's going to help you, you know, if you think, get the book and see, you know. And by the way, we're not getting paid to pitch it at all. <laughs> no, not at all. So is there anything you want to add before we leave, yes. you know, just for the pod, you know, for the listeners, anything yeah. that? Um, I, I I actually do want to kind of reiterate what, what Lauren just said. I think that um, there is a lot you can do on your own. Uh, if you do take an adrenal questionnaire and it looks like you may be in a, in a burnout situation or a level of adrenal imbalance, um, then I would start looking at the four pillars that we talked about. Like look really hard at what you're doing in your life, um, what is putting you out of balance, and just one by one start working. You, know, you don't have to do everything at once. You know, Just pick one thing you can change. Mm-hmm. You know, For some patients, it's like, you know what, I guess I'll eat a vegetable. You know, or I'll try to go to bed instead of 2 a.m. I'm going to go to bed at midnight. Whatever it is, you're going to move the needle in the right direction. So I I would say don't get overwhelmed. I I find that, you know, a lot of my patients are so overwhelmed when they come out of my office because I really try. I'm the fire hose of information (laughs) because I want to make it worth their while. But we do have to step back and say, where are you at and where do you want to start? Pick one thing. Yeah. And then just add from there. You were really yeah. good with me. I remember because I told you I cheated on that hellacious. <laughs> I'm never going to live things. No, no, it's okay. But I was like, I cheated. I had a nightshade. I ate tomatoes. <laughs> I'm like, felt guilty for eating tomatoes. And you were like, it's okay. Chill out. <laughs> and, and then I had to go for Thanksgiving. And I'm like, I'll, I'll, you know, I won't eat mashed potatoes. And you're like, no, enjoy Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, and, right, and, yeah. I think my word for 2020 is not all or nothing. Correct. That's what Correct. I think. And I think that you can apply that, you know, that that feeling, you know, that, that sense Melissa, of, that's not one word. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my phrase is not all or nothing. Yeah, because, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because, I'm you know, you, you can't, right? It's like if you try to do everything all at once, then you, you're going to fail. Yeah. And not just that, you're going to stress yourself out, right. which then, is what which we're is talking about. Which is one of the pillars about. that you're trying to, you know, okay. work on. Well, thank you so much. I am sure we're going to get a ton of feedback on this. And, uh, Dr. Sadati, would you like to give everyone, is you have a website or yes, phone number? Please. You'd like, you're out on Long Island. I yes. just want to say that she's on, uh, in uh, Nassau County. Yes, yes. Do you do teleconference calls or? You know, interesting, in New York State, you you cannot do teleconference with a patient unless you've met them once in person. So I do have patients that come from all over, you okay. know, and if I meet them once, then we can conduct oh, that's follow-up good. visits on the phone or okay. whatever. I do have a spare room, by the way. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so my website is um, drsadati.com, D-R-S-A-D-A-T-Y.com. Um, there's a lot of uh, articles that I've read. I also have um, a little section on there called Share the Health. Uh, that's where I, I sort of um, accumulate what I call my two-tip Tuesdays. So I, I try every Tuesday to write two tips 
um, that I put on my Facebook page, Redefining Health. Oh, I like that. Medical. I do two tips on Tuesdays, um, and I uh, and I send it out as a newsletter. There's sort of simple things that you can work on. So there's a lot of information in there, but there's also information specifically about adrenals on the website. And um, Are you on Instagram? I am, but I'm not that Instagram so heavy. So if somebody but, wants yeah. to follow you, what's your handle? No, she doesn't want it. She doesn't. Okay. I think she's it's mostly <laughs> no. her Facebook page, right? <laughs> okay, okay, go okay. to her Facebook page. Redefining for, Health Medical. Okay. There you go. Redefining Health Medical. Thank you so much. Thank you this so much. Fabulous. Thanks. Thank you guys, and thank you for the work you guys are doing. I love it. Aww, <laughs> thanks. Oh, thanks.